0: If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy this message. All right, so um, one year ago, today, I stood up here and I preached a message on generosity. And that was the last Sunday before the world blew up. (laughs) That was the last Sunday we we closed our doors for a season as we figured out how to love and care for you guys best. Um, But a lot has happened in the last year, right? It's been a little wild. It's been a little crazy. And if you're still feeling the effects of that, I just say that there is hope in God, that he's a restorer, that he's a healer, he's a repairer. So he is for you if you're still feeling those things. But I'm just kind of naturally wired to be a glass half full type of person. I just have this bend that I I like to see the good. And so even through all of the crazy, all of the chaos of the last year, um, I just have seen God's hand at work in the midst of it. And it's just so good to not get swept up. And trust me, I had my moments. I wanted to preach my sermons and make my Facebook rants, just like everybody else. But it's just so good to see that he is always God with us. He is always with us. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's not shocked or thrown off kilter by any of this. So even in the last year, I've seen God's hand at work. Now, God is not a God of chaos or confusion, He is not the author of chaos or confusion. Now, the world seems to speak that language fluently. Chaos and confusion, right? And we live in a fallen world that's still crying out to be restored back to um, glory, back to Eden. And we have an enemy. Do you know we have an enemy that vies for our souls? The Bible says that he walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. (laughs) If there was a roaring lion seeking you out to devour you, it's not like a kitty cat that you pet, right? He's seeking you out to devour you. That, we have an enemy, right? But he doesn't win. If you don't know the end of the story, he loses. He's already lost. So, now notice it says he's a roaring lion. He likes to scare you. He likes to make a lot of noise. But even in the midst of that, God invites us into the stillness of his presence. In Psalm 23, see if you guys know this scripture. Psalm 23, four through eight. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness... And mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. We could just pack it up. That's fine. No. No, No, but in there, I love the part where it says that he prepares a table for us excluded from our enemies. Is that what it says? No, the enemies are surrounding us and he invites us to the table he says, okay, you can pay attention to everything that's going around you, or you can come and you can commune and you can fellowship with me. And then he fills our cup. So in the midst of enemies and chaos, he invites us to the table to commune with him. So while, even while there's chaos going around all around us, he is still there in the midst of it. He's not the author of the chaos, but he is in the midst of those things, inviting us into him. In first Kings nineteen, eleven through thirteen, this is Elijah. It says, Then God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Say the Lord was not in the wind. The in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Say the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Say, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So even in the middle of chaos, sometimes we can put God's name on the chaos, But it says, God was not in the chaos. He was in the still, small voice. It takes a lot more work to hear the still, small voice than it does to, to pay attention to the earthquake and the fire and the wind, right? So if our attention is focused on all of that around us, we can miss the still, small voice that is speaking because he is still speaking. In the beginning, God said, let there be... And there was light. light. He spoke, and then there it existed. His words are not empty. They are life. So our very creation, if you go back to Genesis, our very creation was in response to his voice. He has been speaking all along, and he's still speaking. And we were designed from the very beginning to respond to his voice, to hear and respond. Our very existence was a response to his voice. In John 1-1, it says, In the beginning was the word and the word was God, and the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So God and his word are not separate. I think sometimes we can have this idea that there's the existence of God, and then there's the presence of God that we feel. Do you like to feel his presence? I do. I'm a fan. And then there's the words that he says. So we can kind of separate God into, like, these categories of, like, if I'm not feeling his presence, then he's not here. But that's not true. Or if I'm just reading his words and they just feel like words on a page, then, okay, then they're just words on a page, right? It's just a historical document. No, he is his word and his word is him. It's not just a part of him. It is him. It's all of him. So um, the New Testament uses two main words when it talks about God's word. Uh, one of them is the logos. These are the Greek words used in the original language. The logos, which is the written word of God, and the rhema, which is the spoken word of God. So what is the written word of God? The Bible, right? The spoken word of God is when we hear him in our in our knower, in our inside, or if we hear um, a word spoken through a, a prophetic word or through a, a preaching or a teaching, and God... Um, God Um, quickens something, thank you, (laughs) quickens that word inside of us. That's the rhema word of God. Um, So in Matthew 4, verse 4, it says, but Jesus answered and said, and he was speaking to the devil, by the way, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that word rhema, when it says that um, he will not He will live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That is a rhema word. It's the spoken word of God. Um, But if you notice in the verse, Jesus is quoting. It says, it is written. So what is he quoting? He's quoting the Bible. At that time, he's quoting the Torah, the first five books of the Bible that were written. So um, even when Jesus is saying, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, he's saying both. The rhema and the logos are right there. So his spoken word and his written word will always line up. So the point I'm trying to make here is that he is not the author of chaos or confusion. He will always confirm himself. He does not, whether you feel his presence, he is there. His word will be confirmed by what he says to you. So the Bible will confirm words that he's spoken to you. Like he doesn't go against himself. And Sometimes we can get confused because we start believing something that doesn't line up with what he's said, with who he is. So, he's not the god of author uh, or the author of confusion or chaos. Now, in, in this verse, it also says, "Man was not, cannot live by bread alone." That's good because I'd be really fat. <laughs> but God, we can We were created not just to live a natural life. We have to eat, right? But we are more than just our physical, natural beings. Our spirits respond to the voice of God. We were always created for that. Just like I said, even in the beginning, he spoke and we existed. So we were created to hear and respond to the voice of God. So as believers, we don't believe that we just happenstantially existed. If you believe that, I believe something different. I believe that we were created by a divine creator, that he spoke and and we came alive from the sound of his voice. So we were always designed, we were always created to hear his voice and respond. So in the natural, if I have oxygen in my body, I can survive, right? But in my spirit, my spirit lives in response to the word of God. Acts 17, 28 says, we live and move and have our being in him. I love that. We live and move and have our being in him. And in the verses right before that, it's Acts 17, 25 through 27. Uh, In the Passion Translation, it says, He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him, and find him. Say, and find him. For he is a God who is easy to discover. He is always drawing us to himself. He's not hiding from us. So in fact, if you received Jesus, if you said yes to him and you've come into salvation, then that in itself was a response to his voice. You didn't just decide that was a good idea. He invited you, however that happened for you. I don't even remember when that moment was. Like I just was a little baby and said, yes, Jesus, and that was it. So it comes different for all of us, but he is is drawing all of us to himself all the time. And he didn't just do it one time back when I was a little kid and he's like, all right, you're in, see you in heaven. Like that's not who he is. He's a living person. He's a God who wants to know us and wants to be with us. So if you have received Jesus, you've already heard his voice. Say, "I I hear his voice. So just in case you had any doubts that you hear the voice of God, you do hear the voice of God. We just have to recognize what it looks like sometimes. And it looks different, but it will always agree with his word. He doesn't confuse you. He's not leading you in a path that's going to break you or um, overcome you, overtake you. No, he's a good God. He confirms his word. So he says in James 4, 8, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. All right. So unlike other religions... Ours is a relationship with a living God. I heard this testimony years ago of this young Muslim woman, and she was in college, and she set out to, um, she had a friend who was a Christian, she was born, she was a Muslim, and she set out to prove Christianity wrong. And like, she's very highly educated. She knew her stuff, she knew her Quran, And she said, okay, I'll take a Bible, you take a Quran, and she's like a little bit smug. She's like, I'm going to prove him wrong. And so what happens is as she's reading his word, because this is not a dead word, this is a living, powerful, active, alive, personal word, as she's reading his word, she discovers God. Because God is always drawing us. And he'll use all kinds of ways to draw us to himself. And she says at the end of her testimony, she says, Jesus was my first encounter with love. See, this isn't just a religion that we believe. This is a person who loves us, who loves us deeply, who is always after our hearts. He's always drawing us to himself. He's always speaking to us. So um, a story I have for you is when I was, I already told you, I don't remember getting saved. I just... I remember being in church my whole life. Um, there was not like a radical moment of like conversion. It just, I just met him. And, but when I was 18 months old, I should have Loretta tell this story, whoever she is. When I was 18 months old, my mom, my parents were going to another church, and that was a fine church. But they didn't believe in um, the miracle signs and wonders. They didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, they they just didn't believe that. And so my parents were going to that church, and my mom had a dream. Say God speaks in dreams. My mom had a dream, um, and God began to invite her into the supernatural. He began to invite her into Miracle Signs and Wonders, and what more was available to us as believers, as sons and daughters of God. And God spoke to her and said, go to giving light and be blessed. So God spoke to my mom in a dream, and they came to giving light. And Loretta, where is Loretta? There. She remembers me coming in a little pink bonnet, Probably I can't even imagine myself in a little pink bonnet. My mom said I was a very difficult child. To I, I like what I like, but Loretta remembers that little pink bonnet. Where? I was over in that corner. Apparently, I don't remember this, but Loretta does. So my mom responded to a word that God spoke to her in a dream. And guess what? I'm here. God knows what he's doing. He's always speaking. He's always leading us in a good direction. So I'm so grateful for a mom and a dad who obeyed, even when they weren't taught that. They weren't weren't taught that those things were available to them, that God could speak to us. But they responded to that invitation, and I'm so glad that they did, because you guys are the joy of my life. (laughs) Most of the time. No, no, just kidding. Just kidding. All right. So when you are hungry for him and your ears are open to him, he'll offer you more and he'll lead you in the right direction. So my mom's yes was a generational blessing for for my whole family. Abraham's response to God's voice meant that all nations and generations after him would be blessed. So the same God who spoke to Abraham is the God who spoke to my mom, is the God who speaks to me, is the God who speaks to you. It's the same God. I do not have a more powerful God than you do. I do not have, um, God doesn't speak, I don't have like a hotline. You know, like with Santa Claus, people are like, I got his number. Like, I don't have God's number. It's not like a special number. You have the same access to him as I do. He's speaking to you just like he's speaking to me. And he is always leading our life in a good direction. Say, he is always always leading my life in a good direction if you think that you are just floating and you just haven't found your purpose in life and you just haven't found that passion or that thing, I promise you, he is leading your life in a good direction. There is good for you. He is always speaking and leading you. It's just us learning to listen when he speaks and responding. Now, because this is not a religion, this is a relationship with a living God, relationship, think this through, relationship reveals a lot about us and a lot about others. If you're just doing life by yourself, that's one thing. But when you're in a relationship with someone, you learn a lot of things all of a sudden. Did you ever really enjoy someone as a friend or, you know, maybe you're, um, you get married and you love that person and then you move in together and you're like, I didn't know you could be this horrible like, I did not know you had the capacity to drive me this crazy, right? Did you ever have that? Relationship reveals a lot about us. And I have a note. Danielle is the perfect person. We've never had any conflict, so I'm not talking about her. <laughs> She's like, it's all your fault. No. Relationships reveal a lot about us and a lot about others. And the closer you get to someone, the more you learn about yourself and the more you learn about that other, the other person. Can you put up that picture that I have? I think this is hilarious. For those watching, it says, me, I'm super easygoing. also me. That's not how you fold a towel. <laughs> that is like very me. I'm like, yeah, I'm super chill, whatever. Just do it exactly the way I want and everything will be fine. <laughs> so our relationship reveals a lot about us and a lot about the other person. The same is is in our relationship with God. You know about him, you can know about him from a distance or you can get to know him up close. That choice is ours. Jesus already closed the gap. He already closed the space. He said, you can come close to me. I paid the debt for you. Sin no longer separates us. So Jesus closed the space. Now we get to choose if we're going to be close to him or not. We get to choose how much we're going to get to know him. And the more you get to know him, the more is going to be revealed about you and about him. That choice is ours. In Hebrews 4, verses uh, 12 and 13 it says for the word of god is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and it is a discerner of the thoughts the intents of the heart and there is no creature hidden from his sight but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him to whom we must give account if you stop reading there it's a little scary it's can you just leave that one up there for a second It looks like God, you're, like, completely vulnerable. He knows everything that you've done wrong. And there's a sword involved. Right? And you have to give an account. Like, whoa. You're like, okay, super. I really want to get to know God. This sounds awesome. Right? But if you keep reading... The next verses in 15 and 16. It says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So his word, the closer you get to him, remember him and his word are the same, the closer you get to him, his holiness will reveal your need for a savior. He's a holy God and he requires us to live a life worthy of our calling. That is true. But it also, his word also tells us who he is. It tells us about his character. He is also compassionate and merciful. He is both holy and kind. He is both severe and full of mercy and full of patience, full of grace for us. So yes, he will convict you into living, into being more like him. But he's not harsh about it. He's a good God. So his word will convict you of your sin. It will convict you of the areas that you are not living an abundant life. You're not living up to your um, full purpose in him. But he's not harsh about it. He's a kind God. It's his kindness that leads us into repentance. So his word uncovers those things about ourselves. Remember, in relationships, we learn a lot about ourselves and we learn a lot about others. So in this relationship, we learn a lot about ourselves but we also learn a lot about who he is. We get to know who he is. And we have a lot of misconceptions about who he is. Media, the world, our own just thoughts does a great job of lying to us about who he is, about who his character is. But his word will reveal to you who he is and he's a good God, he's a kind God. So back to our relationship with him. Um, One thing that I've started asking couples who are dating is have you fought yet? And I just think this is a great question because relationship is not all sunshine and rainbows. If you're in a relationship, you should be going like this. If you're not, you haven't fought yet, right? So it's one thing to love a person when the feelings are there and when you agree and when you're getting what you want and when things are going according to plan. It's a whole other thing to love a person through tension and friction and unknowns and messy emotions and when you don't agree, when you're not seeing eye to eye. So even in our relationship with God, it's not always going to be the way we want. Sorry. It's not always going to make sense. It's not always going to feel good. It's a relationship. Relationships take work. But it's also the best relationship you will ever have. See, when we're in a relationship with people... It's my junk and your junk because we all bring junk. But he doesn't bring junk. So if we just deal with our junk, it's a great relationship. But we really like to hold on to our junk and pretend that we know better than God. But we don't. Our junk is not protecting us. It's keeping us from the abundant life that's available to us in him. So it takes trusting that he is better than we think he is. He actually wants you to succeed in your life more than you do. It's just trusting that. Ephesians 3, 17 through 20 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, say love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the depth and the the depth and the height, to know the love, say the love, of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you will be filled with all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He loves us and his plan for our life is so much better than our own plan for our life. We just got to trust that. Say he loves me. Say, so he's leading my life in a good direction. Say, so he can handle it. He can handle my junk. Okay. When we come to trust that love, that love that he has for us, and trust that he is for us, the more we'll want to get to know him. See, remember, it reveals stuff about us. Relationship reveals stuff about us. So we don't always want to get close to him because we don't want that stuff to be revealed. Right? Right? but anything you give him, he will give you better. It's, it's a process, it's a relationship of growing in trust with him, that he is actually better than we even think he, that he is. Now, the more we grow in him, the more he's gonna require of us. Your responsibility on a first date looks a lot different than your responsibility when you're married with three kids. <laughs> think about it. Your responsibility on your first date is like, don't smell bad. Don't say something stupid. Be the best possible version of yourself so this person wants to continue to be with you, right? When you're married and you've got kids or you've been in a relationship for a longer period of time, there's a lot more responsibility and now you're seeing each other's stuff and you might smell bad and you might say stupid things and you're carrying a lot. Now you have to keep little humans alive, Like, the responsibility has just gone from a breath mint to human beings. It's a big jump, right? So, now that you've got greater responsibility, if you're a good parent, you'll correct those kids because you don't want them to get hurt, right? Well, God does that with us. God says that who he loves, he disciplines, And it actually says in his word that if you're never being corrected by him, that you're not actually living as a son or daughter. It actually says it in like way stronger words. (laughs) But for the sake of everyone listening, if, if he's not correcting you, you're not living as a son or daughter of God. The deeper your relationship goes, the more it requires of us. So if he's never correcting you, I would challenge you that you're not getting close enough to him for those things to be revealed. And maybe you have an idea of who God is, that that seems scary, that you don't want to get close to him. You don't want him to see those parts of you because you think that he is something that he isn't. In 1 John 4, 18 through 19, it tells you who he is. It says, we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. Think about that. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread of what he might do to us. If we are afraid, it is for fear of what he might do to us and shows that we are not fully convinced that he really loves us. So you see, our love for him comes as a result of him loving us first. His conviction, anytime that he reveals something in you that isn't awesome, you he reveals your junk, it is coming from a place of love, I promise you. He is not a God who reveals to punish. He is a God who loves us so well that he says, if you give this to me, I'll give you better. It's that journey of relationship. First date, you might not trust that God is who that is. You might still be carrying your rape whistle, or you got your like emergency contact going, right? The more you get to know a person, the more you trust them, right? Sorry, I'm a single woman. This is just the things we think about. <laughs> so, The closer you get to someone, the more you get to know them, the more you trust them. So if God is not correcting you, I'm not saying you're a horrible person. I'm just saying he is good. He's so good that when he reveals those things, it is for your good. It is out of love. It is out of a place of him drawing you into that abundant life that he has for you. Every time you give him something, he will give you better. Have you ever, do you know what the game bigger and better is? When I was a teenager, Um, I went to a lot of music festivals and so we would do this game called Bigger and Better and you start out with a small object, Um, like I don't know what we played with, but say you start out with a gum wrapper and you just start going around to other people and you say, hey, um, do you have anything to trade me that's bigger and better than this gum wrapper? And like people have gotten cars this way. Like eventually you just build up, so maybe they trade you a gum wrapper for a piece of like unchewed gum or like, and then you just keep going up, okay, here's a shirt, here's a whatever. And it's pretty awesome what people get. Well, your odds are really, really safe in God. Whatever you give him, he will give you better. If you, say, if you want to play bigger and better with God, okay, trust him. Trust and give him something and see what he gives you in return. He will always give you better. Um, when I was uh, around 18 years old, um, so long ago, I was saving up for a car um, and when you're 18, you know, you're usually making minimum wage. And, um, and so I, I was saving diligently because I wanted a car. I was 18. I couldn't get my license because I didn't have a car to drive. Okay, so I'm saving up. And then I'm at a conference at another church somewhere. And do you ever notice the things we sing in worship? Like, you can have it all. <laughs> like these big lofty words that are just so like all or nothing. We sing them. Do you ever pay attention to what you're singing? And like, when you're in that moment of worship, you're like, yes, God, you can absolutely have it all. You can have everything. You, 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 what is this to you? Like, you own the cattle on a thousand hills, right? You own everything. Yes, you can have it all. So I'm in this moment of worship in this conference, and I feel God ask me to give a $1,000 offering. $1,000 to an 18-year-old is a lot of money. It's a lot of money to me now. you guys are like that's still a lot of money yeah so but i'm like yes god i feel his presence you can have it all what is a thousand dollars of course you can have a thousand dollars and so i write out this check now god i felt like god said he didn't want me to give it there in that moment in that church at that conference he wanted me to give it to giving light now it's important for me to note that at that time i was just a church member i just came to church I was not in any way. I had no visions of being in ministry. I had no like aspirations of it. It wasn't even in my brain at all. As an 18-year-old trying to figure out my life, but ministry was not one of the things that I was thinking about. And so God said, "Okay, I want you to give a thousand-dollar check to Giving Light." Okay. So it's the moment of worship. Yes, God, you can have it all. You can have anything. Of course you can. So now, have you ever been in that moment and then Monday comes and you don't feel like you did? on Sunday, like the things that you said and the things that you felt on, in that moment of worship are not your present reality on a Monday morning when you have to face your Monday, right? So now I had, that was a conference that happened on the weekend, but I wasn't gonna be at Giving Light for a whole other week until Sunday. And so um, Monday comes and I'm like, did I actually write out a $1,000 check to just give in the offering? And I did but we had days till we got to Sunday. And so I'm, now I'm going through all of these processes with God. I'm like, did God really say? Anytime you ask that question, go to Genesis 3. It's not a good idea. <laughs> did God really say? Okay, all right, okay. Now I'm processing with God. God knows that I um, am making minimum wage. I'm saving for a car. He wants that car for me. So we try to reason and we try to like make this okay make our decision okay, and then I get to the place where I'm like, you know what? God will understand. He'll understand if I just, I can't do it. My faith isn't there, I can't, I can't do it. So I ripped up the check. Everybody (gasps) I ripped up the check. Now that was, I don't know, the early part of the week, and I could not live with myself. Like, it was just eating me alive. Now, sometimes we'll think, oh, that was, that's God's condemnation. He's judging you for doing that. You couldn't trust him enough. But if you, if you, the more you get to know him, that's not what he's like. Yeah. The thing that was eating at me is, he was inviting me yeah. into something so good for my life that I didn't know yet, but he was inviting me, and I was saying no. And I didn't even know what was happening. But my spirit was grieving the loss of what he had invited me into, what he was offering me. My spirit was grieving that loss. It wasn't him punishing me. It was me grieving that he had something so good. And I was saying no. Now, if you um, don't know, I am on staff here at this church. um, And I have been for, I think, I think it's almost eight or nine years. I don't know. But when I was 18, I had no idea when God asked me to write out a check for a thousand dollars, not give it to the church where I was in that moment, because I would have. But to give it to giving light, I had no idea that my yes to that invitation was sowing seeds into my own future. Your yes to the Lord will determine what he can trust you with. And your obedience to him plants seeds for your future that will reap an eternal reward. Now, I believe if I would have not given that check, God, God is so good that he, w- he still had a good plan for my life. If you have done it wrong, like all of us have, it's not just over for you. You don't get a subpar destiny now. He is so good That he's still working all things together for your good. But the point is, when he invites you into something, just trust. Just do it with a little thing and then work up. The bigger and better game, just work up to it. He'll always give you something better in return. All right. So God is always speaking and inviting us into abundant life. Sometimes he uses that still small voice Remember, he's not the author of chaos or confusion. So if that voice is what's leading your life, second-guess that. Don't let chaos and confusion lead your life. He is still speaking, but he doesn't speak in chaos and confusion. So sometimes it takes intentionality to take our eyes off of the chaos to hear him. Sometimes we have to turn off the noise. Sometimes it means in the middle of that chaos, making a choice to sit at the table in the presence of your enemies. Yeah. He's a God of relationship. He's not just a theory. He actually wants to know you. And we get the choice. He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So who, where does that start? It's not if he draws near to you, he'll, you'll draw near to him. If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. All right. So he's speaking through lots and lots of different ways. I can't get into them today, but, but I do want to just highlight, I feel like right now in our time in history that this word, the, the Logos word of God, he's drawing us back to this, the, the written word of God. Everything that he speaks, if you hear a sermon and God reveals something to you, that's so good. I love the prophetic. I lead prophetic teams. I love that voice of God. But if those words don't line up with that, That's right. you need to second guess that because he's not a God of confusion. Proverbs 4.22 says, his words are life to those who find them and health to all their f- flesh. Life and health are in this thing, in this person. He's the only, it's the only book where the author is in love with the reader. And this book tells you what he's like. So all of those maybe misconceptions that we have about what he's like, this book will tell us what he's like. And his presence will be with you because it's not de- a dead book. This is not a dead book full of historical words. This is a living book with a living author who is speaking to you all the time. So this word will help you build a storehouse of trust with who he is. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. Ask him to reveal his voice, and you will find him. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone, say everyone, who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And these verses go on, if you keep reading, these verses go on to say that he's a good father, he gives good gifts to his children when they ask. That's who he is. This book will tell you what he's like. He's a generous God, and he will answer you. So when you ask, he will will answer you. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. I'm wrapping it up, guys. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and the fall was very great. The beginning of this says, when you build your life on the foundation of his word, of what he says, no matter what happens, you're built on a firm foundation. No matter what happens... Your fall's not going to be very great, (laughs) like the alternative. And it's also important to note that it says um, it's not just who hears his words. It's who hears his words and does them. We were created from the very beginning not just to hear his voice, but to respond to it. So build your life around his voice. Listen and respond. His plan for your life is good, and he wants to lead you in a good direction. He loves you. He is trustworthy. He is worth it. Father, I thank you, God, that you are so good. God, you did not leave us alone in in word. You didn't leave us alone in presence. God, you are God with us. You gave us your word that tells tells us what you're like. God, you gave us your presence. You sent us the helper. You said, you don't get it now, but I'm sending you the helper. You never left us without a helper. So God, I thank you for each one in this room, God, that they hear your voice. They were designed to hear it. God, they hear your voice, and Father, I thank you for that grace to trust you more. God, even as that old hymn says, oh for grace to trust you more. Father, I just thank you, God, that you're gracing us to hear your voice and to respond. God, because your plans for us are so very good. God, everything that we give you, you will give us better. So Father, I just thank you for that grace to trust you. And God, I thank you for the great, great, great results, the great fruit that is going to come from lives who trust you, who say yes to you. Father, and I thank you, God, for that revelation God that the seeds that they sow their yeses to you are not just a moment thing but Father they're sowing seeds into their destiny God they're sowing seeds into future generations God they're sowing seeds for your kingdom that are going to reap an eternal harvest God we love you Father I thank you God that you're so good say he's so good amen